With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Wrapping up the day's sporting issues deep into the night, this is Extra Time on SENZ. Good evening and welcome to Extra Time. I'm Frankie Mackay and from 7 to 8.30 tonight I will be your host as we build up to the Black Caps taking on England tonight. First ball, that's bowled at 9pm but I will leave you in the capable hands of my good friends Daniel McCarty and Grant Elliott from 8.30. They'll see you through the game and through the night as well. The good news is it's currently dry in Brisbane which is cause for celebration in itself. There's been plenty of rain around this morning but it's clear the sun's out. Sri Lanka are currently taking on Afghanistan. Afghanistan won the toss, elected to bat first, making 144 for 8. With the top six all getting into double figures, but the highest score of only 28 from Gurbaz. They were really stifled through the middle and, and the back end of that innings, especially Hasaranga de Silva, absolutely brilliant. 3 for 13 off his four. Wickets also to Kumara and Rajita. It'll be interesting. It'll be an interesting chase, that one, and interesting really to see how the spinners go. And that's, the, that's probably the concern for the Black Caps game, is just how this wicket is going to hold up. It was a little bit slow, it was a little bit on the, on the soft side, so I'll be intrigued to see how the Gabba continues to play. But look, it is the second game of the day we're really interested in. And during the show tonight, we'll bring you the highlights of the Black Caps last match, where, where I'm sure there were a few hearts and mouths, no doubt. And even the Black Caps' biggest fans would have to admit to some nerves after they found themselves three down early. We've got some pre-match press conference chats from Lockie Ferguson and England coach Paul Collingwood as well ahead of this big Group 1 game. 8 o'clock we'll talk to former Black Caps pace bowler Hamish Bennett who also doubles as a man on the ground after his recent move to Queensland. We won't hold that against him though. But that's enough about what's coming up. It's time to get into our first chat of the evening and, and I'm joined by cricket commentator Garth Galloway to talk all things Black Caps, all things World Cup. Garth, thanks for joining me. Good evening. How are you? I'm great, thanks Frankie. I'm at, uh, at my son's leave his dinner from school the last one has left school hallelujah oh brilliant that's what we like to hear okay so it's it's a good day so far how much are you looking forward to this match tonight oh i'm, I'm so looking forward to it um and i've been so impressed with new zealand really i you know um that that game against australia frankie which no doubt you've talked about on the program and so on it was quite incredible i think one of the best t20 performances i've seen in fact best white ball performances i've seen by a new zealand side it was so comprehensive, and when you look at how they went into that game, you know, Australia had the wood over them uh, for so long, and particularly in Australia, 
So, you know, hats off to Gary Stead and Kane Williamson and, and the crew, and they look to be on top of their game. But then again, we saw, you know, that little blip against uh, the top, in, in, in the top order the other day where they struggled a little bit, but then got away. But tonight should be fantastic. And England have everything to play for, don't they? Uh, you know, yeah, if they don't win tonight, then I think you have to say they're out of the tournament. So it's uh, it's it's wonderful. Great fun. Yeah. Oh, it, it's exceptionally good. I think it's a, it's a tough spot for England to be in, but... That Australia match, yes, of course, I think it's it's been talked about a lot, but but we can keep talking about it because it's been eleven years since we've won a white ball game in Australia. Yeah. So so let's talk about it some more. How important was that game to the Black Caps' chances, and how important just to get rid of that hoodoo going into a World Cup? Yeah, look, I think I mean I just think the psychology of it was extraordinary. So and you know for them to to be able to go out there and it's not it's not like it was close, Frankie. They just destroyed Australia. You know they went out there with the bat, got two hundred. And then rolled them for 111. Um, and so, you know, you, you know, they would have loved to have played against Afghanistan in the next game, and uh, didn't manage to do so. But in Sri Lanka, they were up again. They lost those uh, early three wickets. And a Phillips, you know, cricket, as you know, there are these moments that can happen, aren't there? And sometimes you get the break. And in that game, they could have been 29 for four when Phillips was dropped. It was an absolute sitter on the uh, long off boundary and should have been taken. And wasn't, and from there, we know what happened. Um, you know, they, they they were extraordinary. But yes, the Australian game and and that opportunity to get out there and get in front, I think, has given them a huge opportunity. And it would have been for Australia and England. I think that it would have been a pretty devastating result because I think before the tournament, you'd probably have picked those two sides to go through. And as soon as uh, New Zealand beat Australia then it looked like one of them is going to miss out. And I suspect, you know, I, I don't know how it'll go tonight, but I suspect it might be England who misses out. Oh, we love to hear that, that's for sure. Look, I, I think <laughs> I've been really, I've actually been really impressed with the Black Caps. I think we watched them play here in uh, the Tri-Series, and there were a few questions that still needed to be answered around how this Black Caps side was going to go and, and what exactly was going to be their method of play because they weren't firing on, on all cylinders here. The fielding was probably one of the things we talked about the most and then we've had Glenn Phillips not only scoring hundreds but taking absolute screamers over there as well. So yep. it seems like everything's kind of kind of on track now and with Daryl Mitchell coming back into the middle of the, into the order... Do you think that's our best 11, what we've seen in that last game? Yeah, I do. do you think that's no, no. the 11 Look, we'll, we'll stick with? Yes, I do. Um, I, I think it is the best 11. And you're quite right when you say that, um, you know, that, that, that Pakistan-Bangladesh tri-series, I don't think New Zealand would have been too worried about that. I think they were experimenting a little bit. Um, you obviously wanted to see them do well. And interestingly, Frankie, you know, the side that won that, Pakistan, uh, are looking to be out of the tournament. You know, on the yeah. other pool... You've got um, India performing okay. And I, for me, I think the sleeping giant of the tournament is South Africa, and we can talk about yeah. them, no doubt. But, yeah, no, I think New Zealand have got the right team. If you look at it, um, there was a lovely article in Crick Intro the other day talking about Bolton, Saudi, and how they won't be around you know, forever, and we should enjoy them while we've got them. And it's so true. They are absolutely terrific. And then, you know, if, if you then look at, um, at Ferguson coming in with his pace, Fatner, I think, is, is an absolutely top-class white ball cricketer. And then, you know, you've got the rest of the, the overs being made up by a few bowlers. So I think balance-wise, it's good. Top of the order uh, looks strong. You know, I do worry a little bit. There's a lot of pressure on, on Allen, um, or Finn Allen, as everyone calls him. 
but Alan Conway, uh, you know, Phil Allen, it's like he's got a hyphenated name. You listen to it, it'll annoy you now, Frankie, because every commentator calls him Finn Allen. And, um, but he's Alan. <laughs> but he, it, it will be, a, you know, I'm really interested to see how he responds with a lot of pressure on him. He looked out of sorts against Sri Lanka. And I think you'll see, uh, maybe not England, we'll see. But when they, you know, if we get a game against uh, India, for example, I think they'll start with the spinners against the New Zealand top order, and I didn't think we looked good against them. And as I said, uh, that, uh, that's the thing that just sits in the back of my mind. A lot of pressure on him, but so far, uh, so good. Conway has been very good. His innings against Australia was sublime. Williamson, yet, yet to go, really, but I don't think that's a bad thing. Every, you know, He's such a classy player, and he, he's hung around a bit in that game against Australia, got 23 off 23 balls, and you know, did a reasonable job when other players are getting run. So, yeah, I, I think the team's looking good. I like Nisham. You know, I think he's a good good finisher. Um, mm. It just feels like, you know, without getting too carried away, um, I, you know, I think it's as good a side as we can put out there at the moment, and so far, so good. Okay, and you mentioned, I, I, I do it all the time as well, and I hear people say it all the time, Finn Allen. It's almost, it is, like you said, it's one word. It's, it just rolls off the tongue so nicely, uh, Finn Allen. I'm it's it's the, nice. I'm a pain in the backside. I'm a real, I, you know, these are the things that once you start to, you know, it's like when Solomon is making a speech and they start going, um, um, you know, and, you, and all you hear is the ums. And, you know, for me now, I, I can't, I, I don't understand it. I can't get it, but it's a, it's a phenomenon that's driving me nuts, Finn Allen. Finn Allen. It Hyphenated. is. Finn Allen. Well, I actually got challenged the other day. Someone said, no one else in world cricket gets it, but I've actually found a cricketer who does get the, the first name, last name. Lytton Das from Bangladesh well, yeah, always gets true. it as well. True. Hey, sorry, Frankie, I didn't realise. Is someone else being driven nuts by this as well as me? It's, it's a lot of people. A lot of people have mentioned it. I've even had people coming <laughs> up to me at work saying... What is it about Finn Allen? Finn Allen, why is it Finn Allen? Are we going to get his middle name next time as well? And I said, no, no, it's just, it sounds, it just rolls off the tongue nicely. Allen just doesn't oh. quite sit as nicely, but well, maybe we need to pass relief. that on. And... It's such a relief for me not to be the only person. I usually <laughs> am. So, uh, Nikki Allen, a famous uh, All Black First Five or a very fine All Black First Five who died tragically young, uh, you know, when he was running at First Five with a ball, drinking and diving. He, he wasn't Nicky Allen. He was Allen. <laughs> well, there you go. Maybe it's just that something special about Finn up the top of the order. He gets both names. But it is an intriguing one because I actually think he is exceptionally dominant against pace bowling, which which is obviously a yeah. handy thing to yeah. have up top. Perhaps yeah. the little weakness is actually against the spinners. Do you think England, they might just roll the dice and say, Mo and Ali, here you go. Here's the ball. First over of the game. Good luck, because if it they, goes well, yeah, they, you get a hit. Well, if it goes they, badly, yeah. oh, you're well behind. Yeah, sorry, Frankie, I was talking over you. They'd be silly not to. Um, I, I think it's exactly what they should do. They should start with spin at one end at least. Uh, Ellen loves the ball coming on, so does Conway. I think Conway's a better player of spin, but again, you know, he looked out of sorts. And Sri Lanka have got a couple of top-class spinners, you know, interestingly, because they're not really a top-class side, but... They've got a couple of top-class spinners in their um, in, in their team, and and you know, I just thought it was very interesting to see how New Zealand struggled against them. So that that that, that that's an area to watch. But I'm sure you know Alan will have done, been away and done his homework. But you know, it's quite hard to uh, to suddenly become a good player of spin bowling at the top of the order. You haven't got much time to get in, and you know it, it's quite an instinctive and intuitive thing. 
So that's that's the thing. And sometimes, as you know, Frankie, as a player uh, who's batted at the top order a lot, sometimes if you get that first shot away, the first one you go for uh, against the spin bowl at the top of the order, things can change and your feet start to move and everything feels better. So it, it's a matter of, of him trying to, you know, hoping that we can get him through that phase and seeing if he can get a start. Yeah, absolutely. It's just that same, trying to have that same clear mind that he does when he faces the pace bowlers because if he hits it, it stays hit. He'll clear any boundary going round, so he doesn't need to worry about that. I mean, I have to worry about that, but Mr. Allen certainly does not. So it is, it's just about getting through that first one, whereas if it's a couple of dots to start, grip the bat a bit tighter, lose your shape, all of a sudden you're in a bit of trouble. But... I've been really impressed, actually, by by a lot of the spinners and some of the spinners across the associate teams as well. And it's it's been a fascinating World Cup for that. There's been upsets galore. Um, have you been surprised by how competitive some of these sides have been? And, and is it actually a bit of a sign now that some of the big teams around the world need to make a bit more of an effort to go and play some of these sides? Well, I suppose I haven't been... I, I guess not completely surprised simply because... You know, New Zealand had that tour to Ireland, and Ireland at times were quite competitive against them. Um, we didn't see much, obviously, from Scotland or the Netherlands. But I think 20, the 2020 format is the format where some of the associate nations and so on will, you know, they probably they have a better chance, if you like. Test cricket over five days where technique and, and, and you know, ability is far more exposed, and 50 over cricket, I think, to a lesser extent. So I think uh, the, the 20 over stuff is the stuff that really does give them a chance. And if you have for a you know, batter who gets away, uh, someone who picks up a couple of wickets early, I, I've been absolutely thrilled. You know, I mean, who, who would have thought that Ireland would beat England, for mm. starters, that the West Indies would be beaten and out of the tournament, uh, that Sri Lanka would be beaten by a minnow in, in the build-up and the, in the pre-qualifying round. So... Yeah, it, it is good. Uh, I, I think the format, format of the game lends itself to the uh, to the smaller nations. But, you know, you are seeing um, the skill levels, I think, are improving a lot. And when you watch uh, the Afghani spinners, for example, uh, there are some very, very good players playing. And I can only see it getting stronger and stronger. It's very good for the game uh, to see upsets occurring. It, you know, it, it, it adds to the interest. And when we watch... For example, you know, the wonderful, love watching the Women's World Cup rugby. Fantastic. But it feels like there are two or three sides in it. You know, it's a little bit like netball. Here, you know, I feel like any of the top six could have won. But at the moment, it's starting to to shape itself up. And I hope, I wonder if you've been as impressed as I have been with South Africa. They've got some terrific hitting power and some wonderful bowling. And they came in just under the radar. But boy, have they made a mark. Yeah, they've been been fascinating. I think... Uh, you know, you always get asked who's your top four, and I think people tossed up in in pool two, group two. Uh, India came through as the favourites; they were going through. Then it was a real: is it Pakistan? Is it South Africa? Maybe perhaps here in New yeah. Zealand, we haven't seen a lot of South Africa play recently, so maybe that was the slight bias towards Pakistan. But I mean, aside from the captain's struggles with the bat for South Africa, everything else has been just brilliant. They've been so exciting to watch. I, I think they're probably up there as as team of the tournament so far for mine. Yeah, I think so. And I watched, um, I don't know if you saw, but the Vitality Blast, the English Limited Over competition was on on Spark Sport. And I was just quite enjoying the, you know, the 10, 15 minute highlight packages. And, you know, Rousseau, Riley Rousseau was playing in there and I hadn't seen a lot of him. I mean, he's a he's a terrific player. And the cock at the top of the order and then they've got Miller, you know, they've got some great, great power 
but the bowling also is just terrific. And we saw Ndidi in, in great form against India the other day. They're, they're pretty imposing. They're a good fielding side. One of, one of the things that we've seen when we, when we talk about the smaller teams at times, some of them have been very good in the field, Frankie. Some of them have been pretty poor. Mm. And so, you know, there, 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 is, there does seem to be that sort of golf. And, and if you're going to win games at the top level, you, you can't afford to, um, to drop catches, obviously, and your ground fielding's got to be absolutely excellent. And I think that's the one area of the game where it seems, it, it seems to be pretty varied to me. Yeah, I, I I would definitely agree. There's been some absolute howlers go down, unfortunately. Now let's talk about England, the side that the Black Caps are taking on tonight. Their top four, they have looked pretty shaky for mine. There hasn't been a lot of runs coming from that top order. Our seamers have been incredible. Do you think that's where this game's going to get won and lost tonight? Is it going to be the first six overs? Who can take the most wickets up top? Well, it, you know, I think it's... Where a team loses confidence, I mean, England have often scored a lot of their runs down the order a little, but I, you know, where a team, as you say, like them and their top four have not scored a lot of runs, they are under pressure. And I don't, you know, there is no better bowling combination. And in fact, you start, I think, at the top and say Bolt is number one of, of your, uh, of those two bowlers, Saudi number two. They are a terrific pair. They're absolutely fantastic. And they will put these England batsmen under a lot of pressure early on. So, I think that your um, your analysis is is right. If the England top four succeed, then I think England have a high chance of succeeding. Uh, but a lot of question marks, and they and they will be asked a lot of questions by Bolt in particular and and by Salvi. And you know it's a it's it's a hard game when you are under pressure. And also for these guys, you know, for the England team, really, it's make or break. Uh, Frankie, it, it could see them unbelievably really out of the tournament tonight if, if they don't win this game and they'll know that. So, uh, but but having said that, in that top four, there's, all, there's a lot of experience and cometh the hour, cometh the man. So, um, you know, the, the, that's what these tournaments are all about. If they're good enough to, to, to get through to the semis, they've got to turn up tonight and they've got to negotiate that, that period with... Um, with Southey and Bolt, but it's not just negotiating. They have to score runs during that period as well, Frankie. They can't, you know, a lot of teams seem to me to be, and that's where I think the difference was with New Zealand against Australia, is we saw Conway uh, and Allen using their feet towards Stark, uh, Cummins, you know, Hazelwood. The, The Australians didn't like it. They didn't know what to do with it. Whereas a lot of players, to me, seem to be crease bound against Bolt and Southey. And so... Have, have the English players got the courage to come down the pitch to try and hit them off their length? And I think with a player like Bolt, you've almost got to, because if you stand still in the crease, uh, you know, he gets that lovely late movement that seems to cause so many problems for them. So, yep, it's, it's a, you know, it seems slightly counterintuitive, but I think if England wants to win the game, they have to be very aggressive at the top. Yeah, well, I, I maybe look at it perhaps a little glass half empty. I mean, maybe it's because I've been a long time suffering Black Caps fan, perhaps, but I look at it and you look at Butler, Stokes, Hales, they all haven't fired a shot yet. Hales is the only one with a strike rate of over 100 in the top four, so that's got to be a massive concern for England. But that almost gives me a little bit of concern as well, that those guys are too good to just continue missing out. They've got to get a score at, st- at some stage, and I just really yeah. hope it's not against us is really what I'm hoping for. But what are you hoping to see tonight, Garth? What's your prediction? What do you need to see from this Black Caps side? 
Well, I, I just think we've got to see business as usual. I, you know, I, I, I came into this tournament thinking that New Zealand would struggle, obviously, against England and Australia. Also, that they could possibly have, you know, what we talk about the old banana skin against another team. Um, I, you know, I was not convinced by them. And so I'm the first to say that I'm absolutely delighted by, by what I've seen. I mean, I, I think what you'll see, you won't see Alan changing. He's going to play in exactly the same way as he always does. Does you know he he was the catalyst for that game against Australia came in and half his scoring shots I, what did he get forty two off sixteen I think from memory and half of those scoring shots eight of them were boundaries so he's going to keep doing that Conway's going to be slightly less aggressive I think but the glue uh, Williamson will pace himself according to whatever is going on in the game and and Phillips will just do what Phillips does he, he he's just going to get out there you know and and um, I don't think anyone's going to tell him how to play he'll work it out for himself. So uh, I guess it depends on who wins the toss. I think if New Zealand win the toss, you'll see exactly the same approach. It'll be aggressive. But I, the, the, the key for me is if they do open with Ali, um, you know, how, how, how are the team going to have to play them? That might be the key for New Zealand. Uh, when England open and, and bat, I think uh, Bolt and Salvi hold the key. And even if England can negotiate that uh, for, say, you know, five runs and over, that might not be enough. Uh, I think you, you, you're going to you're going to have to see England if they want this game. They have to be aggressive against those two bowlers. Ah, well, there you go. There you have it. That's that's the word from Garth Galloway. Garth, thanks so much for your time talking all things Black Caps, all things World Cup. Hopefully, we've done our job correctly and we've seen all the good vibes Black Caps <laughs> way. And we'll be talking about a third win for them and easily into the semi-finals. Thanks, Frankie. I think there's every chance. And uh, and have a have a lovely evening. Enjoy the game. And, and best wishes to all of your listeners. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Garth. That is a fantastic way to get the show started here on Extra Time. Quick break from us here, and then we will get into some interviews with uh, Black Caps and out of the English camp as well. Backing away, and he's bowling! Straight through, shot on! Then he thinks it's come back into the right-hander. He's played over the top of it. And the danger man goes. Round the wicket to Conway. Who's bowled! Wonderful bit of bowling from Dunanjaya to Silva. Holding that one back. And Conway's a mile through the stroke. He looks absolutely bemused and baffled. One arm over the wicket. He continues. And here's an edge taken. There is the third. Williamson goes. Ratita has the New Zealand captain. They must take it deep. Here's Phillips hitting one high over deep backward squares. He got under it. Has he got enough on it? Oh, that's over the rope. Over the advertising hoardings. And dropped by the Sri Lankan fans. And there we have it. The first six of the New Zealand innings. Here's Karunaratne bowling. And Phillips now heaving him. Slog sweep through mid-wicket. Has he found a gap? You betcha. That's what always happens. Richard, after you drop someone, he hits the next one for four. And well played, Glenn Phillips. He raises his bats. 50 of 39. You see the squatting side armour. Oh, not on this occasion because he's bowled it googly and it's a ripper. It spins back between bat and pad and hits leg stump. Mitchell goes. Phillips on 66. He waits. Fane's going over. 
the offside hits down the ground a long on and he's hit it straight and over the rope for six runs. Back over the wicket to Phillips who's standing well outside of leg stump. Then goes inside now, hits it high over extra cover. Oh my lord, that's gone all the way. How dare you? How very dare you, Glenn Phillips? Nisham on strike as Rajita comes back into the attack and he's uh, clipping one to extra cover in court. Tried to play off the back foot, tried to go over, did not strike. It's a short one, and he pulls it away backward and square. Down to the fence for four. Glenn Phillips, you are magic. 102 of 61 balls. Right arm over the wicket, goes short, but Tassetna goes back and somehow hits him over point four six. He hits powerfully over extra cover, but more up. Going back as extra cover to take the catch. It's the captain. Safe pair of hands on this occasion. Shanika takes the catch, but he'll be thinking, what if, what if we took that chance earlier in this innings? Because since then, Glenn Phillips has put on a masterclass. Southie gets a low full toss outside of off stump and drags it over mid on, and it's going to go down to the fence before Tim Southie puts the exclamation point on the innings. A boundary to end proceedings in New Zealand after being in massive trouble at 15 for three. Thanks hugely to the big arm giant that is Glenn Phillips. Have got through to 167 for the loss of seven. Here's a big shot for RBW, that's Plum, that is out. Yes, umpire golf puts the finger up and Southy strikes. Nisaka hitting across the line, right in front of middle. Here's an edge taken, driving away from his body and Mendes goes, New Zealand go bang, bang. Bolt in on the axe. Mendes gone for four. Bolt, going to finish the successful. Oh no, he's put icing on the cake. Inside edge, smashing into the timber. And Sri Lanka's top order is smashed to smithereens. It's uh, Trent Bolt who's getting another one this time. Taken brilliantly at backward point by Finn Allen. That is a very smart catch. 104 in New Zealand's title. This one is a pull towards deep mid-wicket and straight down the throat of Trent Bolt. And Karuna Ratne goes. Mark, he starts with a short one. That is pulled over mid-wicket. That's over the rope. That's 15 rows back. Big hit from Roger Parkse. Hasalanga on strike. Hits straight to extra cover and is caught. Sally Fuller and he's murdered over mid-wicket. That is a huge hit. Swatting right across the line but out of the big blade. Out of the middle of his bat and into the happy Sri Lankan fans. Sharnaka opens up. I'd laboured the point in that first innings. He's a pull stroke high towards deep backward square. It's not long enough. Lining up the catch and taking it is Daryl Mitchell. And Sharnaka goes. The skipper departs for 35. He's Sodi bowling to the left-handed Lee dances down the wicket. He misses, and the stumps are broken, and the game is open. And New Zealand, in the end, have cantered away from Sri Lanka. Again, they started on very shaky ground. But thanks to a heroic innings from Glenn Phillips, they were able to post 167 for seven. And they've been a very professional with the ball and in the field, and have won this game by 65 runs.
yeah, well, that was the highlights of the Black Caps' last match against Sri Lanka. Of course, Daniel McCarty, the voice that we all know and love, bringing the excitement and the hype for that game. There will be more of that tonight. He'll be joining from about 8.30pm tonight, taking you through a little bit more of the build-up and then into first ball at 9pm. There's there's a lot of excitement around this one, maybe more so from Black Caps fans than from the English side. There's probably a few more nerves for them in must-win territory. But hopefully there's a lot of excitement in that Black Caps side about how they're playing so let's check out what Lockie Ferguson had to say ahead of this big game. Our team's come together nicely here in Brisbane um, and everyone's fit and firing well. Um, good to see Daryl um, get out there again for us with his hand so um, that's pulled up well too so the team's doing well. And just on yourself uh, I believe you haven't played at the Gabba before how are you looking forward to that opportunity? Good. Uh, okay. How you going mate? <laughs> All good. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, yeah, no, uh, first time for me uh, here playing at the Gabba. Hopefully we get a good run out there tomorrow. Um, I had a bit, we even peak um, for the warm-up game against India, but unfortunately that was rained off too. But, um, yeah, it looks like a nice wicket. Um, certainly we'll be keeping a close eye on how the games go there today. Um, and then, yeah, looking forward to um, taking out England tomorrow. It'll be a great challenge. Hey, obviously, just going back to what you're saying there about Brisbane, have you been chatting with Jergo much about it with all of his experience there? Oh, oh yeah, Jergo's um, absolutely flying here in Queensland. He loves it coming back um, here. But certainly um, he's got plenty to offer all around Australia and having a lot of knowledge, having played here, um, has been super helpful. But it's been interesting going around Aussie. I haven't played as many grounds in. They do change quite a lot, um, but certainly the Gabba um, being a true wicket and, and bigger boundaries um, sort of has its strengths and weaknesses, of course, too. But, yeah, Jugo's been great. Obviously, Tim and Trent have been fantastic so far in this World Cup. How are you finding it as, uh, I suppose, a pace trio at the moment? And what have you noticed that's working so well for them? Yeah, Tim and Tim and Trent have had a blinder in the first two games, and uh, when the ball's swinging, there's not much better in the world. Um, certainly from my point of view, and, and nice to follow them as well. Um, but yeah, I think um, the way the boys have kept the plans very simple um, for us and um, stuck to what they have done extremely well for a long period of time. It's um, exciting to see them have some success early in the comp, but clearly there's a long way to go for us and. Um, we need to make sure we take it game by game and, and England's going to have a lot of firepower that we need to um, combat in this next game. So um, I'm sure the boys will be up for the next challenge. What are you expecting from England? Uh, what you always expect from England, they come out very hot. Um, they pride themselves probably on that aggressive nature and, and bat very deep. So um, certainly uh, we need to come out with our own brand of, of aggressive play. And it's, it's not to say that it's anything different to what we have done. And we have a different way about going about that. Um, but certainly the way Tim and Trent have started us off is, has put a, a great foot forward in our first two games. So I think from that point of view, nothing needs to change too much. And we just need to adjust to the conditions on the day. Uh, in Sydney, it was a bit of a different wicket probably to what it will be here in the Gabba, but we haven't played on it yet, so we'll just have to keep an eye on uh, the game before us and, and yeah, and, um, sort of cross that bridge when we get there. And just finally, mate, as is always the question with you, how was the body? Yeah, body's good. Um, yeah, happy to get through um, the first two games and 
Um, obviously very stoked to be here and having missed out on the World Cup last year. Um, just the night before, it's it's very pleasing to to be over here and playing for our country in the World Cup. I absolutely love it. I uh, had my family over for the Sydney Games, which was epic too, so it made it that much more special. Uh, and of course, being an Aussie, the Kiwis are just across the ditch and a lot of Kiwis uh, coming and saying good day to us, to us around the, the city and the streets, so it's been awesome to have all that support. The, the two games you've managed to get on the park for, um, obviously two, two big wins, one game you've put 200 on the board and the other you've sort of fought back from a sticky start. Does the fact you've been able to win in two different styles, in a sense, give the team a lot of confidence? Because obviously each ground in this tournament does seem to be throwing up different challenges. Yeah, for sure. You're exactly right. Each ground has its own challenges. The wickets uh, are playing differently, um, but it's been probably one of the more exciting World Cups certainly I've viewed because of that reason. I think the competition between Ben Ball has been fantastic throughout the whole comp and um, there's been some tight tussles. And, uh, you know, the way we played in Sydney um, was great. Two different styles, as you said, on probably two different wickets. But um, just quickly on Glenn, that's one of the best hundreds I've ever seen uh, on a wicket that was very challenging and you even saw towards the end he was clearly well into his innings and you know the ball was doing all sorts off that pitch so um one of the great innings and i couldn't be happier for him um but certainly to get us out of the hole we were in with some fantastic bowling from sri lanka and some early wickets um he did really well has there been any more feedback to glenn about his um his running start at the non-strikers end where he was taking that splinter position do you think it's something we might see again <laughs> he is uh he's an entertainer that's for sure um there's no doubt about that and i think with glenn you're never sure what you're going to quite get i don't even think he knows sometimes the ideas just come to him at the time which is great and i think it's awesome for world cricket um obviously i love it and i think there should be more of it but i don't think glenn needs a head start when it comes to running that guy is absolutely rapid so um Perhaps the other batters can look at options but now nah, i'm just playing of course um, but glenn's rapid he doesn't need to do anything special um, you touched on it in the previous answer, just about sort of the style of cricket we're seeing in this tournament. Does it feel like a different, kind of a different brand of T20? I know you guys did put 200 on the board in the first game, but broadly speaking, in the games you might have seen on TV, does it does it feel like a slightly different version of T20? Uh, I don't know. I've, I've played around the world and there's obviously um, conditions count for so much and the boundary sizes do to, of course too so it's probably hard to say I think T20 in Australia um, you get different wickets and they've had a lot of rain here so that does have some effect on the preparation of wickets um, but yeah I think across all games there's so much pressure on each game and of course you're only playing each team once and each game's worth two points so there's as much pressure on any team that you play and it's been fantastic to see um, the competition and um, some potential upsets throughout the comp. Um, but yeah, from our point of view, um, you know, we have to keep continuing to stick to our plans. Plan A, it sounds um, silly sometimes, but the fundamentals are what get you through and, and trust in our teammates that they're going to get through the hard times and swing momentum as much as we can and, in our favour and then, and then run with it as long as we can. But um, very pleasing start for us, but a long way to go and, and certainly tomorrow is going to be a big challenge. You, sp you spoke about the firepower at the top of the order for the England betters. Um, how much, I know you, you face firepower all the time in T20 cricket, but how much do you have to have your variations on song against uh, a side that has so much firepower at the top of the order? Yeah, look, I, I think um, you're spot on, but the nature of T20 cricket now is that every team sort of got that same firepower at the top and 
who can really take it on during the power play. Um, so England's absolutely no different. They've probably been a leader in that front for a long period of time, and they sort of back a long, deep batting lineup um, with power throughout. Um, but yeah, look, we have to come back to what we do well. That we don't need to change anything in that sense. Um, we've played T20 as a group for a long period of time, and there's some calm heads in our team and, and some good plans that have worked uh, over periods of time. So um, our brand of cricket might not look as aggressive as them, but we need to stick to what we have done well for a period of time and um, make sure we throw our own punches in our own way. Um, but yeah, as England is every time a huge challenge for us, um, so we're really looking forward to it. And just one more from me. If you win, you, you claim top spot if you haven't already. Uh, do you guys care about that at all? Um, I mean, you've probably got a tough opponent no matter who you face in the semifinals, I suppose. Uh, exactly. It's very much uh, one game at a time. So tomorrow is a big focus for us. And then after that, we'll cross the next bridge when it comes. Um, but certainly it's been fantastic to see the level of T20 cricket over here and um, seeing, you know, some friends playing for the Netherlands and doing well. And um, as I say, the affiliate team's playing some fantastic cricket too. So uh, every team, two points, doesn't matter. The same pressures are on. And I think that's what's so great about the World Cup is that you just get these one-off games at conditions and grounds that you're probably not used to playing that other team at. So um, it's certainly fantastic to be here and be a part of it. Well, that's the chatter from Lockie Ferguson ahead of tonight's big match. We're going to take a quick break here and we will be back with England coach Paul Collingwood and his thoughts ahead of this game. 16 minutes away from 8 o'clock here on SENZ. It is time now to go and have a listen to uh, assistant coach of the English side, Paul Collingwood, and see what he has to say. Yeah, you're right. It's There's been a bit more uh, swing um, and sea movements and um, during this tournament so far um, but in many ways it's I guess it's up to the batters to try to get that swing off the ball as quickly as possible and, and we know sometimes um, you know one ball into the stands um, it can it can make that ball pretty tight pretty quickly so um, but it's um, you know we, we've also got bowlers who can utilise the swing as well so it's um, it's it's made it a little bit more interesting and a little bit more difficult than usual for the, for the batsman and just on this game specifically um, tomorrow obviously you weren't able to get on the field against Australia sort of start to make amends maybe for what happened against Ireland is there a bit of sort of pent up frustration now after a few days of not playing ahead of this game and the, the guys are keen to get back on the field and then try and put things right yeah I think the frustration came from um, not being able to play in such a big fixture you know you, you look at the fixtures before the World Cup and see that you're playing Australia at the MCG and um, that's that's mouthwater and um, fixtures so it's it was disappointing not to to play that and not being able to get out but um, you know the boys have trained fantastically well um, over the past couple of days um, there's a lot of excitement around um, because we know that if we you know, get it right in the next four games, then we've got an opportunity to win a World Cup. And it's, um, you know, it's we're almost into the knockout stages now in terms of how we've got to go about our cricket with must-win games. And um, and this is why we play the game. It's it's This is um, the positions that you want to be in to um, an opportunity to, to win a World Cup. And tomorrow, hopefully, kickstarts our... Um, our momentum and, and our com- campaign. Um, we put a good performance in tomorrow, then it'll 
give us a lot of confidence um, for the last three games. And just a last quick one, if I can, does the washout mean it's probably more likely that you'll be able to stick with the same quick bowls again? I guess workloads are not a massive concern at the moment. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it's um, the one good thing, I guess, is, um, you know, you can prepare how you need to prepare and and going into a, a fixture against New Zealand, who's in, in the history shows you that it's always been a tightly fought game, but um, the bowlers are fresh. They're raring to go. Um, the batters have been able to do a lot of um, specific confidence work um, in the nets and um and understand how they, they, they can go about the um, task tomorrow night on what usually is a, a really good Brisbane wicket. Um, it's a ground that um, we play the warm-up game in against um, Pakistan and um, the boys enjoy the surface there. So, um, yeah, we're really looking forward to uh, tomorrow night. It's been sunny for the most part of last week in Brisbane and all of a sudden today it's a little bit overcast. Um, is there a concern seeing that England are coming in from a washout game versus Australia? Um, well, it would be nice to get um, the full 40 overs in tomorrow night. So um, keep our fingers crossed that we, we get the right conditions to be able to do that. You want, you know, in World Cups, you want to see um, sides competing against each other, the best sides competing against each other in an equal game. And um, so hopefully tomorrow night um, the rain stays away and we, we can manage to do that. Um, always very much looking forward to just getting to play some cricket and, um, and going to show the skills. Which leads me to my next question. How is the mood in the camp seeing that the last game was washed off? So you've had a little bit of extra time, if you want to call it that, with no cricket, actual cricket being played, coming into a game versus New Zealand tomorrow. How is the morale on the team? It's really good. Um, the boys are upbeat. Um, you know, they're confident. They've, they've been doing plenty of work in the in the nets. Um, so, you know, we, we couldn't be more ready in terms of the amount of balls we've hit um, in the nets and the, and the amount of balls we've pulled um, in training. So it's, um, you know, the guys just want to get out in the middle now. It's, um, it's frustrating when you, you've got the, um, the rain around in Melbourne. It was almost like English conditions. Uh, it's nice to come up to Brisbane, where it's it's a lot warmer, and uh, and um, all looking forward to getting the full forty overs in tomorrow night. Paul, just wanted to ask about Ben Stokes, and I know his record in international cricket doesn't need questioning in a sense, but his T Twenty position has not been quite as stable over his career, and he's not quite got going in this tournament. Do you, do you think those two things are? linked a little bit that he's not quite had the same stability in T20 that perhaps he's had in in, in test cricket and before he retired ODI cricket and, and do you expect him to find his groove um, in these next couple of games? Yeah, of course. Um, you know, he's um, the, I, I guess the one person that you want in your team when the pressure is on is, is Ben Stokes. Um, we all know what he's capable of. Um, not just match-winning innings, but match-winning innings under serious amounts of pressure. It's um, I know fine well that um, if, if it comes down to um, the crunch, that's you know you, you want a man like Ben Stokes walking out, um, and not just you know what he gives with the bats, the options with the ball, and um, the skill level he brings into the field as well. Um, you got to remember he's a He's an all-rounder, so it's not always just um, the runs that he makes, but it's it's everything else that he gives. And um, but I'm I'm pretty confident there's a and then it's just around the corner, um, and now we're coming into the crucial part 
and of the the World Cup, and it's almost a knockout stage for us. It's must-win games, and um, you always see um, Ben come to the form and uh, to the fore in, in those situations. Yeah, it's a big match for the English side, especially must-win territory for them. The rain has been following them around, so they are desperate to get a rain-free day and also desperate to get some runs on the board. Time for a quick break here before we wrap up this first hour. Five minutes away from 8 o'clock here and it has been a big first hour on extra time. There's been plenty of World Cup chatter as well about how we feel the Black Caps are going to go. We've heard from both camps. First up it was Lockie Ferguson, his excitement around getting to play at the Gabba for the first time, how that Black Caps side is trucking and all news coming out of that camp was positive. Maybe not quite so from the English camp. They're just looking forward to no more rain, to some runs on the board and hopefully getting a full 40 overs in. Garth Galloway, he got the show started with all the predictions, all the inside word, all the chatter you could possibly want about the Black Caps side it was fantastic chat. And there's more still to come. So after this quick break, we're going to catch up with a former Black Cap, Hamish Bennett, talk a lot of bowling, talk a lot of Black Caps, and just how this team is trucking ahead of the game against England. Eight o'clock, and you are listening to Extra Time with Frankie Mackay on SENZ. Let's head over to Australia now. Our man on the ground, former Black Caps fast bowler Hamish Bennett. Hamish, thanks so much for joining us tonight. How's the Queensland life treating you? Uh, yeah, I mean, evening, Frankie. Um, yeah, it's very good. The weather's been good. A bit of rain this morning, but it's obviously cleared up, so hoping you stay away for tonight. So it's it's been a good day. Everyone loves Melbourne Cup, not only the people in Melbourne, but it seems it is the race that stops the nation. I can tell you that firsthand. Yeah, good. Did you manage to line your pockets as well today? <clears throat> nah, nah, I didn't line the pockets. I've lined the stomach um, and the and the liver, but I haven't lined the pockets, unfortunately. Ah, disappointing. Well, I'm pleased to hear that the weather is staying dry, though. That's the main thing. Let's talk Black Caps. Have you liked what you've seen so far from this uh, this Black Caps side? Oh, I have, yeah. I mean, there's been a massive talking point in Australia just about, um, I think they're a big favourite. Um, obviously, in Australia, a lot of people that talk to me in cricket circles are just amazed at, I guess, the freedom that they play with and how they've come out just being aggressive and um, just have had just that mindset to continue being aggressive the whole way through where just haven't feared getting out or feared, I guess, losing wickets, to be honest. Um, they've been pretty impressive and making a lot of headway here with the Australian public. Yeah, do you think that's that's pretty different to back home, isn't it? I think we've got people who are you know, pretty quick to criticise this side as soon as there's the odd wobble or two. But actually, we, we have to recognise this is a pretty good time to be a Black Caps fan, isn't it? Oh, it's a great time. But, I mean, don't get me wrong, they're pretty easy to criticise the Australian team over here as well. So <laughs> I think it's more just the, um, you know, it's, it's it's the sport you love and it's the nation you love. So it's, it's easy to criticise, but... Um, I think, yeah, to be honest, the Aussies, they're, um, they're, they're, there's a lot of New Zealand fans in Australia for tonight. I can tell you that much. They are, they are relying on New Zealand big time tonight. Obviously, if England get up, then that puts Australia out. So um, there'll be a lot of Kiwi fans um, that have got Australian passports tonight, that's for sure. Ah, that's what I like to hear. Now, t- two men at the top of the order, order yeah. Finn Allen, Devin Conway, they, they've been incredible and they're such a huge part of this Black Caps lineup. You've played with them both and, and I just want to talk about Finn Allen first. Is he as unflappable as he seems? Uh, uh, yeah, he is, yeah. I mean, he just um, he just goes about his business. I mean, he just enjoys, you know, as a character, he just enjoys chilling out and relaxing and nothing seems to sort of stress him out too much and he's... 
It's, it's quite funny. A lot of people, Aussies are told he's a smart cricketer, but I sort of laughed at that. Not because Finn's dumb, but he just got one way of playing and he just backs his ability and backs his way he plays. And I think that's his greatest strength. He, he just shows if you believe in the style of cricket you play and you back yourself enough, it's, it's going to come off. And that's what we've seen throughout this tournament, well, especially in game one anyway. And the way that he got out against Sri Lanka, I mean, he won't care about that. It was the right option. He'll just think he missed the ball and that's what he did. That's what he did. So... He won't be taking a backwards step tonight, that's for sure. That's what I like to hear. Now this Conway-Allen partnership, it's been a, a really successful one for Wellington yeah. for, for a number of years now. And I'm guessing you're not shocked to see them both being successful at the international level. But but what is it that make, makes Devin Conway just so good? I mean, he has taken to international cricket like a duck to water. Um, oh, it's the mental side of it, Frankie. I mean, you watch them bat tonight and you watch when Finn gets out and you see what score Dev's on. He'll be on run a ball. He knows that Finn wants to face the majority of the bowling. He knows Finn wants to take it to the attack. And Devin just doesn't have an ego. He just puts his ego to the side and he knows that he needs to give the strike to Finn while Finn's in. And it gives a chance for, for Devin to get in. Then when once Finn gets out, then Devin knows that he can accelerate the run rate and knows what a good total's going to be and knows how to get the side there. That's Basically, was our recipe for Wellington, really, was Finn goes out and smokes it. Dev, you get him on strike as much as possible. Once Finn gets out, then you take over, and it's sort of been no different at the international level with, with um, both them openings. So it's just his mental side of the game. And I've said it to numerous people. I've seen him take, you know, 45, 50 balls to get from 105 to 110 because he wasn't willing to change his game plan. Just has such a high price on his wicket and just knows the conditions and can just sum up stuff really quickly. So just think it's one of those things that's hard to train you know as, as the mental side of the game but he's um he's he's pretty um well skilled in that area yeah he's pretty classy that's for sure now do you think this is our this is our number one lineup do you think that from from this point onwards in the tournament for as far as the black caps are going to progress that that this is the 11 we're going to continue seeing and and maybe is there a little bit of surprise or or disappointment perhaps that that michael gracewell didn't get the nod especially after his efforts down here in christchurch in the in the tri-series recently completed um oh look i mean personally i obviously love to see braces play with obviously the connection i've got with mike seeing him move and succeed in Wellington and now represent New Zealand. It'd be great to see him play, but you can see why, I mean, you know, those guys have been the incumbents. They've done it for a long time. Um, so you can see why New Zealand Sleek does choose to go that way. Um, and I think if we're having discussions like that, it's a really positive thing about New Zealand cricket, discussing about people who should be in the team against people who have been playing for a long time and have done really, really well. So I think we're in a really fortunate position. Um, I think maybe I haven't seen the conditions tonight because um, obviously I've been um, socialising with the Melbourne Cup so I haven't seen any of the cricket because um, Australians don't care about anyone else apart from when they're playing so I haven't seen what the conditions are like but I mean if they're bouncy and pacey I, I wouldn't mind seeing someone like Milne come in um, especially I don't think there's any opportunities to play in Perth but if there was any more opportunities for New Zealand to play in Perth I think Milne would have to come into the team that's why I only probably change really if, if, if conditions suit for us to go for the extra quick I'd, I'd like to see that yeah, well, there there was a game there uh, last night, actually, and remarked that it was just a little bit of a slower surface than normal that you'd see at the Gabba. Normally, it's, um, I mean, there's pace, there's bounce. It's a little bit of a batter's paradise when it comes to white ball cricket as well. 
Afghanistan playing at the moment. They only made 144 for eight. Sri Lanka in the chase are 120 for three with four and a half overs to go. But it was thought that spinners might possibly dominate the game. If that is the case, which team do you give the edge to? Is it New Zealand spinners or, or the English lads? Um, well, it's not going to be a very good game to watch. We're going to watch spin bowl, is it? Oh, oh, don't be like that, Benny. That's <laughs> that's not what I've got you on for. Um, oh, yeah, I don't know. I think it's, I don't know, it's both, both pretty quality spinners. Probably just look back at it at, of the batters and how the batters are going to choose to play the spinners. That's probably the biggest way of looking at who's going to come out tonight is the mindset. I know, depending on when the English spinners come on and who's batting, if you've got so, still got Finn at the crease, then he's obviously going to take them head on. They could have a bad night and... Same when we choose to bowl Satner and, and Sodi. Um, you know, depending on who's batting, left or right hand, who takes them on. I think there's probably not much between the spin lineup. It's going to be dependent on the mindset of the English and New Zealand batters, um, depending on the situation of the game. Okay, well, I know you love to talk bowling, and I've had my fun bringing the spinners into this chat. Let's talk about the pace bowlers, because they really, across the board, have been pretty outstanding so far throughout this T20 World Cup. Have you actually enjoyed seeing the, the ball dominate the bat a little bit more often than probably we're used to seeing? I'd love to see every game in Perth. Um, <laughs> wow, what, a venue, what a venue that's been um, watching in Perth, I think. Obviously, hasn't been great weather in Australia for Australian standards. Um, and that's what's probably brought the ball back into the game with the more being obviously quite humid. Um, Australia is a country, so with all the rain around, they're getting a bit of sun out. In the humidity up, obviously gets a bit of swing, a bit of shape going. So it's been great to see. I mean, Perth, I mean, I would love to go on a time machine, take me back to my prime and get me a one-way ticket to Perth and bowl on that wicket. I mean, that is just some of the best viewing you can, you can ever see. So um, I think it's been great. I think it's just the change. I mean, I, I love to see 230 and 240 and teams post big scores, but you don't want to see it regularly. You want to see the conditions play their part. And some of the subcontinent teams have struggled batting-wise with the to be able to adapt to the pace and to the bounce and that's what you want, you want these World Cups you want teams to come into foreign conditions obviously have to adapt maybe struggle at times and just like um, other teams did in Dubai you know, they struggled with the slowness and the turn of the wickets and having to bat first or bat second under lights, the advantages so I think that's just the great thing about having the World Cups in different venues, there's just different tendencies that you just have to embrace yeah, I've loved seeing it. I, I mean, I was almost a little bit of a shiver down the spine when I saw first slip in the India-South Africa game standing almost bloody outside the circle. That that put the, the heebie-jeebies up me, that's for sure, to be thinking that's how far back you've got to be. But I've loved seeing the, the different ways that teams have gone about it. I've loved seeing the different conditions as well. And, and you finished up your career as a, I'm going to say, T20 specialist. What does it actually take, though, to be a good T20 bowler? Because there's some incredible bowlers around the place. I mean, I'm going to name someone like a, a Pat Cummins who, who seems to have clocked every other format but hasn't quite cracked the code of T20 bowling. So so what is it that makes a good T20 bowler? Um, I think straight away is the mindset of, of knowing what situation you're in. I guess um, for me, that was probably... Um, for me, it was probably my skill, I think, was actually knowing that how to get out of situations with not necessarily reverting back to what was the traditional sort of delivery. You know, for someone like Pat, traditional deliveries hitting the top of off or hitting a hard length, whereas that's obviously what a few batters want. So being able to say, right, oh, this is the situation I'm in. You know, I've gone for six off, you know, I've gone for a six off my first ball or a four off my first ball. How do I get the batter down to the other end, get them off strike, and how do I build pressure on the other batter? Actually about 
knowing that you're just trying to take those small ones, I guess, Frankie, knowing that when you're on the pump, what's your delivery that you're only going to go for one? And that which batter, depending on which batter that is, what delivery is that you have to bowl to go for one in that situation. I think that's the key um, about just about T20 bowling. I mean, with Wellington, we weren't, I wouldn't say we were the most aggressive bowling lineup. We might have come across like that, but I think we were smart and probably we used defence as a form of attack by just trying to, I guess, minimise batters' boundaries and getting them ones and twos and doing that and having control of where they hit the ball. That's the that's the hardest thing as a T20 bowler, but if you can get your grasp on that and getting the batters hitting the ball where you want them to hit it, then you're, you're controlling the game. And, and how the how do the Black Caps go about trying to keep this dominant English lineup quiet? They've they have been quiet so far this tournament. They haven't put a lot of runs on the board. I mean, Butler scores of eighteen and zero. Hales is the only one on the top four with a strike rate over a hundred. Milan's in there. Ben Stokes scores of six and two coming back into the side. They've got Moen Alley. Livingston in that middle order as well, strike rates of 145 and 130, but we've barely seen them. So what is it that this Black Caps side need to do to continue this poor run for England? I think they need to attack first up with the ball, try and obviously get some slips in. I've been bowled, obviously bowled a couple of slips. Um, and then same as Southie, if he bowls those right-handers, just trying to get those genuine dismissals going. Um, then after that, I guess it's just trying to minimise those strong areas where, they, where the English can score, trying to build pressure through ones, through a few dots, and just trying to build run rate pressure, really. I know it sounds sort of pretty um, generic, but you need to take the chances when you can. I think that's the, the biggest thing I've seen of T20 over here. We were fortunate enough to go to the WBBL the other night for a few, for a few games and talk to a few Australian players and that. It's just about, for me, T20 is about when a new batter comes to the crease, how can you put pressure on them for one, two or three balls, create three dots or they score one off three or have a slip or bring someone up and be brave and actually make the batter take a chance or make them believe there's something else going more, something else going on more than there actually is. But the thing is about that attacking of those first one to two balls, especially through the middle. If Sodi takes a wicket, get that point into, into slip for, for the end of the over. Try and create something out of nothing. That's how you stop batting. Batters getting going and teams building big um, totals. Yeah, I like it. I'm sure that's music to the ears of Bolt and Southie as well, that they can have slips, they can be attacking, that they can go out there and, and swing the ball and, and just back their core skills like that. But it, it all seems like it's going pretty well for this Black Cap side. But are there any concerns that you've got leading into this game and, and possibly semis and finals from there? Oh, I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing England win tonight, so Australia don't qualify. They'll make my day. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, no, not really. I think every team's had issues, Frank, to be honest, with the weather or being pretty cooked. A lot of teams were cooked coming into this tournament. They had yeah. a big volume of cricket coming into it, so they've probably been happy with a bit of the rain. Um, I think the teams will settle down once the semi-finals have been, um, well, the, well, the four teams that get through the semi-final stage. I think just mentally they'll settle down a lot knowing that they're through to the next phase. I think there's just a lot of anxiety around at the moment, to be honest. Just, not, you know not knowing what's happening, is it going to rain? Um, you know, all the Aussie fans, and I'm sure the Aussie players as well, I've seen a few of them today. They're all Kiwi fans, as I mentioned earlier, and they're probably a little bit anxious watching the game, just relying on other people's results. So I think once the yeah the semi-final spots are sorted out, I think all the teams will just relax a bit and we'll probably see some, um, we'll probably see some more carefree cricket. Yeah, it has it has had a bit of a disjointed, anxious, stressful feel to it. I think, uh, especially both both of the groups are pretty even in, in that 
you've actually got to do some serious work to get through them and get to that semi-final stage. But, you know, someone like, uh, it gets talked about a lot in the media, a Kane Williamson, he hasn't had a score. Uh, he hasn't probably looked as at his most fluent. Is he the kind of guy that gets caught up in that? Or, or is Kane just all about batting and, and just trust that it'll it'll come right when it needs to? I don't think Kane would have read a press article for, for <laughs> years or listened to anything for years. So um, I think, I mean, look at what he did the final last year. Kane's someone that um, he obviously leads very well, leads the team, and, and he'll know, like, you know, he'll, he'll play the innings when he has to and when it's right, when the timing's right. So we just got to keep back on the skipper. He's done it well in the past. He's done it for so many years. Um, you know, he's, you know, when it's all said and done, he's going to be our greatest ever, probably better and probably player. And, well, probably second best player after after Sir Richard. And he's going to be the guy that led us through the golden era. So I think we've just got to have faith in the uh, in, in our skipper. Yeah, not wrong with that at all. Right, Hamish, just before I let you go, what are your predictions for tonight? Are we going high scoring? Are you backing the bowlers to continue to dominate? Are the Wellington lads teeing off? What have you got on the cards for us tonight? Um, without seeing the conditions, Frank, I'm probably going to go for... I reckon maybe something similar to the Aussie game, maybe around that 170, 180-ish mark with a little bit of both, I reckon, a little bit of dominating the ball. And then at the end, with depending on the boundary sizes of where the wicket's at, there can be some short ends at the gabber, um, maybe a little bit of flurry towards the end. Oh, love to hear it. Look, we'll let you go now. Thanks so much for, for having a chat with us tonight. Look, with, with whatever the result is tonight, you can't really lose. If New Zealand win, you get to lord it over everyone that they're through to the semi-finals, and uh, if the English get up and win, then you get to lord it over the Aussies that they're going home anyway. That's perfect, and then I can get on to the Aussies, but I've got to make sure they qualify in the top four so they're actually at the next World Cup. <laughs> uh, very true. Well, you might be a braver man than me to bring that up uh, in a room full of Aussies, but uh, good luck with that, and thanks very much for your time, Hamish. No, cheers, Frankie. All the best. Cheers. That was former Black Caps fast bowler Hamish Bennett giving us all the inside word ahead of the Black Caps taking on England. Time for us to take a quick break here and then we'll, we will be back, of course, to talk more cricket before we link up with Grant Elliott and Daniel McCarty. 22 minutes after 8 and we are building up to a massive game between the Black Caps and England. First ball 9pm tonight. The coverage though starts from 8.30 and it is with Grant Elliott and Daniel McCarty who I've got on the line to have a word with me. Lads, how excited for this game are you? I'm beaming Frankie, good to see you. I can actually see you Frankie. Oh, Great to nice hear your voice wave. too. Yeah, and hello Grant, good to see you too I suppose. Yeah, it is. And I can see you too, Frankie. Great to hear your voice. Um, and also listening to you catch up with our old friend Hamish Bennett earlier. Um, haven't heard real, that voice for a little while. Real Wellington vibe to the show, actually, tonight. I'm, I'm sure you both enjoy that deeply. What I want to know from you guys, though, I think the Black Caps are favourites to take this out. I think they are playing some fantastic cricket. If you had to pick a composite 11... How many of the English make your 11? I've only gone with three. I've gone Joss Butler, Moen Alley, and Mark Wood. Those are my only three sneaking in. Wow, okay. I didn't uh, expect to be hit by this, but um, <laughs> I think that you have to consider Adil Rashid as well, yeah, I Frankie. I think that he is probably on par with someone like Ishsodi. Um I think he does handle pressure well uh, through the middle. But um, the other person, I think, is Liam Livingston. 
I think Livingston, even though he hasn't really shown numbers-wise uh, how dynamic he is in international cricket, he's someone that I just don't believe we've got power like that. We've got Finn Allen at the top, um, but someone in the middle that can really come in and just bludgeon their way through uh, from an impossible situation. And the, the thing that really scares me about this England lineup is their strike rates. When you look at their strike rates, their career strike rates, there's no one um, that is under that you know, 120 mark. Everyone is over 130, um, and some of them are even in the, you know, 160. So uh, pretty dynamic uh, batting lineup. Can I ask you, Frankie, who are the New Zealanders who missed out? Uh, the New Zealanders that have missed for out. Joss Butler's opening. He's opening with Finn Allen, so I've just gone, we're completely going for our top. Conway Garth is... Might be, Garth might be oh, listening. Yeah, Garth. It's look, Alan. Sorry, Garth. Yeah, it's, it's Alan. Alan and Butler are opening. Conway <laughs> at three. Phillips keeps his number four spot because he's averaging 51 in T20 internationals this year with a strike rate of 150. So he gets the number four spot easy. I've shoehorned Kane Williamson into number five. Nisham at six. Moen Alley at seven. Mitch Santner gets the nod as my other spinner. He comes in at eight. Southie at nine, which he will love. Wood at 10. And Bolt at number 11, his favourite spot. So the New Zealanders that miss out. Ferguson, sorry. Sodi, apologies. Uh, and Mitchell as well, leaving out the Cantab. Not a great look, but that's what I've gone for. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting selection, and I think it's a good question. Whenever you, you look at a team, sometimes the coach will sit you down and go, well, who's your opposite number? And you look at your opposite number, and he goes, well, just beat that person today, and we win the game. So you look at what they, they, they're going to do and um, how they're going to perform. But what I do think that, that England also possess is a few all-rounders. You know, they've got bowling all-rounders, uh, which is quite different to us. We're probably more batting all-rounders in our team. Yeah, I, I, I love to see it. Well, anyway, that's really that's really all I had for you guys, is just to feel like I was there with you getting the hype going for today's <laughs> game. I, I'm excited, I can't wait, but I'm just going to go home and, and sit on the couch and watch it from there. Maybe I'll have a listen to you two as well, as I know that uh, depending on who's on the TV commentary, you two are much preferred options. But that's all. Have a great call tonight, guys, and uh, enjoy it. Thanks, Frankie. Thanks, Frankie. Thanks, Frankie. Well, that's all from me here on The Extra Time. Hope you have enjoyed it as much as I have tonight. I know I cannot wait for this match to get underway. Have a good one, everyone out there. Enjoy it, and go the Black Caps.